welcome to the Mariners cast presented to you by Sports Ethos, your place for worldwide sports coverage. I'm your host, Tino Ganasius. You can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20 and the podcast at Ethos Mariners. It is August 21st, Monday. Mariners just swept Houston. Uh, really great series for a number of players headlined by Julio Rodriguez. Mariners travel to the south side of Chicago for a three-game set against the Chicago White Sox coming up Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, positioned in a really, really good place, uh, 69 and 55, three games out of the AL West, uh, currently the third wildcard team, half game ahead of Toronto and three games ahead of the Boston Red Sox. ESPN gives the Mariners a 60.8% chance to make the playoffs. Currently uh, seven and three in the last 10, six game winning streaks, plus 72 run differential. On today's Mariners cast, we will celebrate the Astros series, uh, dig a little deeper into a couple of the individual performances, talk about Emerson Hancock's potential injury and what does it mean. Uh, talk Mariners bullpen who came up clutch on Sunday and then uh, touch on the White Sox. We did a deeper dive into the White Sox organization earlier this year on the Mariners cast. On today's Mariners cast, we will uh, discuss their player development or lack of player development, um, what it kind of feels like to be a fan of a rudderless franchise, because that's kind of what the White Sox are at this point in time. And then we will uh, discuss tonight's pitching matchup, which is Luis Castillo against Tuki Toussaint. So, Came to you on Friday with the Mariners cast. We uh, previewed this Astros series. Obviously, the Mariners went 3-0 and in the series. Got pretty good pitching in the first two games. And then the bullpen came through on Sunday after uh, Emerson Hancock departed the game with a strange shoulder. In game one on Friday, Bryce Miller was facing J.P. France. Uh, Miller ends up going six and a third innings. Uh, two hits, no walks, one walk, two strikeouts. He got the win, moved to eight and four, with now has a 3.78 ERA. Justin Topa pitched an inning and two thirds, got his 19th hold, and Andres Munoz picked up his seventh save after giving up two hits. Mariners won this game 2 nothing. Uh, wasn't particularly exciting unless you are a pitching or Bryce Miller fan. Bryce Miller was pitching in front of a bunch of family and friends because he grew up uh, under 200 miles away from Houston. Star of this game, as ha- has been the star for the last week or so, was Julio Rodriguez. Julio went four for five with a run, an RBI, a home run, two steals. He's filling up the box score um, literally every night right now. Uh, this was his third straight four-hit game. Um, he goes on Saturday to have a fourth straight four-hit game. Uh, this tied Milt Stock, who did it in 1925, as the only other player to have four uh, four-hit games in a row. He also tied the team record for nine hits in a row. He tied Danny Valencia and Raul Ibanez. Uh, we will dig a little bit more to Julio's stats in a minute, but uh, essentially. Julio put the Mariners up one nothing in the top of the third. Uh, J.P. France threw a belt-high middle-in cutter that Julio hit out 414 feet. Mariners take a one nothing lead. Mariners scored again in the sixth on a Mike Ford home run. 
go up two nothing. Uh, the Mariners tried to give it away a couple of times. Uh, the biggest one being in uh, the ninth. Andres Munoz was on. Uh, Eugenio Suarez got a grounder that he uh, threw to Josh Rojas to get the force at second. And on the turn, trying to throw the ball to first base for the double play, uh, Josh Rojas dropped dropped the ball. And so that brought up uh, Gordon Alvarez. Otherwise, otherwise, Munoz would have closed the game out and the game would have been over. Um, excuse me. He was still going to face Jordan. There would have been two outs instead of one out. Jordan Alvarez hit a ground ball to Jose Caballero, who dropped that ball to make it first and third. And it forced Andres Munoz, who we know has been, you know, struggling. His velocity has been down to throw more pitches. Thankfully he got out of it with the save, but this was sloppy baseball. Uh, I think Rojas, especially given his, given his lack of offensive production, you want to see solid defense and you can count on from him as a you know professional major leaguer with some experience and this, the dropping of, of uh, at the turn of the double play was really bad. Caballero too, we've seen make some of these mistakes, um, especially recently. Uh, on the other side, Eugenio Suarez had a beautiful uh, start to a five-six-three double play on a ball hit by John Singleton um, in the bottom of the second. Suarez was playing, you know, basically shifted almost into the shortstop role, had to move. Uh, towards third to get the grounder, but the turn was beautiful. The, the double play was was beautiful. I I think, in my mind, uh, Suarez is the American League Gold Glove third baseman, and he's he's played so 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 well at third this season. Uh, kudos to him. So again, Julio um, carried the team, put the team up one nothing. Had four hits and five at bats. Taylor Hernandez also went three for four. Um, and outside of he and Julio, the only other hits were Mike Ford's home run and a single by a Eugenio Suarez. Everyone else went hitless. Uh, Julio is now, after this weekend, hitting 278, 336, 462 with a 798 OPS, 560 plate appearances, 21 homers, 76 runs, 79 RBIs, and 33 stolen bases. That's good for a 124 WRC+. Plus. He is in the 97th percentile in sprint speed, and he is in the 100th percentile for outs above average defensively in center field. He is probably going to get some down ballot uh, love in the MVP race and fully expect him to be smack in the middle of the AL MVP race next season. He's just, he looks like Superman right now. He really looks like a superhero on the field. And um, this is, this is the Julio we've all been waiting for. So Mariners win this game 2-0 on the back of Bryce Miller and Julio Rodriguez. Uh, Miller was interesting in that he only had two strikeouts and he he got 14% um, sw- uh, whiff rate on 35 swings. So five whiffs on 35 swings, one whiff on 16 fastballs, no whiffs on 11 fa- uh, sinker, uh, sinker swings, he got three whiffs on four slider swings and one whiff on four sweeper swings. So was pitching to contact pretty clearly. Um, 
what is different about what Bryce Miller did on Friday was he threw almost as many sinkers as he had fastballs. And I had talked about on Friday previewing this game, how Bryce Miller has increased his sinker usage. We started using it five games ago and he's introduced the pitch five, five games ago and he's increased his usage on that sinker um pretty much every game since then but we haven't seen him throw 27 sinkers and we certainly haven't seen the sinker usage match the four seam fastball usage and that's what pretty much happened against the Astros on Friday night 29 fastballs 27 sinkers he's throwing the sinker at pretty much the same velocity as the four seamer 95.9 on the sinker 96 on the fastball um and it's this literally looks like the Mariners right-handed blueprint at this point in time where you're going to mix mid nineties fastball with mid nineties sinker. The other, uh, the opposing hitters aren't going to know whether the pitch is going straight or is going to make a hard, you know, right turn essentially. And it's a way to induce weak contact and it's a way to, to get hitters from leaning out over the plate against a slider or against a curveball or against a sweeper. And I love it. Mariners are ahead of the curve on this. We've seen some other teams introduce this pitch combination, but I think it's, you know, when you examine each Mariner starter uh, in depth, you see that this is very much what they're trying to develop. It's Brian Wu. It's George Kirby. Um, We'll talk about it in the next, uh, for the next game, but we even saw Logan Gilbert throw two sinkers last game. And I think you might start to see him introduce that sinker more as well. So really fascinating stuff from Miller. Uh, again, only two strikeouts, but that fastball sinker mix was working. Um, and you can't knock that, right? If you have a decent defense behind you and you can induce weak contact, hey, more power to you. Uh, no changeups, no curveballs. This was a pitch he threw a little bit of in, you know, earlier on this season you don't see those at all anymore and you see the sinker is really split between righties and lefties um as is the slider one interesting at bat was uh he threw a slider with two strikes to john singleton um left-handed slugger and uh singleton swung through and he pretty clearly was, I think, looking fastball from Miller because he's thrown so many four seamers uh, so far this season. And it was just a clear indication that Bryce Miller really is learning how to pitch kind of on the fly and has this moldable arm that can touch 98. And it's just, it's really fascinating and really enjoyable uh, as a baseball fan to watch Bryce Miller and Brian Wu kind of develop in front of our eyes we're seeing the Mariners tweak George Kirby and Logan Gilbert as well. But really with uh, Wu and Miller, it's just you don't really know what's coming next. And they've changed their pitch mixes so much over the course of the season. You know, if you look, you know, I should have brought it up. Look at uh, Bryce Miller's first start and see what his pitch mix actually looked like in that first start versus what it looks like now. And I bet you it was completely different. I know for a fact he wasn't throwing a sinker. Actually, I can bring it up really quickly here. Um, so in his first start against Oakland on May 2nd, he threw 81 pitches. 
So in this last start against the Astros, he threw 82. He threw 57 four-seamers, 16 sliders, seven sweepers, and one changeup. So he had a four-seam that he threw a ton. He mixed in a little bit of a slider, a touch of a sweeper, and he threw one changeup. Versus the Astros, in this game, he threw 29 four-seamers. So that's half of the four-seamers he threw in that first start. He threw thirty or 27 sinkers, of which he didn't throw any in his first start. He threw 14 sliders. That's pretty close to what he did in his, his first start. And he threw 12 sweepers, and he only threw seven in his first start. So really, it, it was – we've seen him – kind of cut that four-seam fastball usage in half in this last start and make those sinkers instead. I, I think it provides more variety. Um, it makes the fastball that much more effective, but super fun stuff to watch. Uh, and again, I think we'll see this moving forward from Bryce Miller. So game two on Saturday was Logan Gilbert against Framber Valdez. Framber Valdez is a tough out. And... uh a dark horse Cy Young candidate coming into the season. Lefty, very ground ball heavy, tough customer, really nice curveball. And the Mariners hit him hard too. Uh, Julio went four for six, two runs. He had a stolen base as well. Uh, but really, besides Julio, the offensive story of this game was again, Tail Hernandez going three for five with two RBIs and Dylan Moore. Dylan Moore had two home runs in this game. Uh, in three RBIs, his slugging percentage is up to 561. Demo is hitting for a ton of power this season. Um, and I was very critical of him early on when he had such a slow start, but he's really come on strong um, playing. I know he plays a lot of infield, but in many ways, he's playing that role of the short side platoon bat with thump that AJ Pollock was supposed to play. Sorry about the, to those who, uh, didn't ever want to hear his name again, but Demo played well. And uh, Sam Haggerty was back in the lineup. He went two for five. Uh, he also had a home run in the ninth inning. So the Mariners got contributions from, you know, players who they really haven't been, been getting a ton from uh, this season in some of their bench bats. And of course, Julio carried the way going four for six. Logan Gilbert started. He went six innings, uh, eight hits, two runs, one walk, three strikeouts, moved to 11 and five. He now has a 3.77 ERA. Uh, he wasn't getting ahead of Astros hitters. He only threw 12 first pitch strikes out of the 25 uh, batters that he faced. He threw pretty close to the same number of fastballs and sliders. Uh, the Astros do have a, a right-handed heavy lineup, so you would have expected him to throw more sliders. He did throw the two sinkers that I spoke of. They were at a very similar velocity to the four-seamer. I wonder if we see Logan incorporate that sinker in the same way that we've seen from Wu and Miller and Kirby. Uh, his spin was up on the sinker. It's probably his best pitch in this start. Spin was up 120 uh, RPMs. And the velocity was pretty much uh, at 89, which it's been for the rest of the season. He induced 12 whiffs, 26% whiff rate. That's right about where he sits on the season. But nine of those 12 whiffs were on the slider. Of 18 swings, he got nine whiffs, which is uh, really solid, obviously, at 50% whiff rate on that pitch. 
Um, so he pitched well, gave up two runs in six innings. I think it's kind of, you know, standard Logan Gilbert. He moved to 11 and five. The only other pitcher of note that I want to bring up, we saw Trent Thornton, we saw Gabe Spire, and then the Mariners brought in Edward Bazardo, who they had picked up in a trade with the Orioles. Basically, the Orioles cut him, so the Mariners got him for next to nothing. But I was interested to see Bazardo pitch. Uh, he threw 18 pitches. Eight of them were sliders, five four-seamers, four sinkers, one splitter. Uh, he was about 84 miles an hour on the slider. He did get three whiffs on six swings. It was a 26, almost a 2700 RPM uh, slider. So he's got some spin on that. 95 mile an hour fastball average, 95 mile an hour sinker, and a 92 mile an hour splitter. So you've got velocity to work with with him. You've got spin on that slider. It's probably his best pitch, as we talked about when he got picked up. Um, I think there's some multiple clay here. I don't think he is going to be a back of the end or back end bullpen arm. I think he's probably a seventh inning arm. I would group him in the same, you know, bucket as Isaiah Campbell, uh, Trent Thornton, but still a value. You want to have those, those types of arms on your team. I think, you know, the Mariners collect them. And if you can upgrade slightly over the guy he replaces, then that's great. And and I liked what I saw from Bizarro. I think there's something to work with there. Then game three was Sunday. Mariners won this 7-6. Um, the story of this game, uh, both Dylan Moore and Dominic Canzone had four hits. They both went four for five. Uh, Julio went one for five, almost felt like a, a disappointment. Two more hits and he would have tied the major league record for uh, most hits over a five-game period. Mariners scored two runs in each of the first three innings, knocked Hunter Brown out. Hunter Brown has has been a good pitcher this season. They hit him hard. Uh, but the other story on the pitching side is that Emerson Hancock left after two innings with a strained right shoulder. We still don't know the prognosis. The expectation is that he goes on the injured list. The Mariners bring back Brian Wu. The Mariners are back at a five-man rotation in all likelihood. You might see Adam Aller, as I spoke of um, last week, come up. He was a former uh, Oakland A. You know, he's got a decent arm. I think he could soak up some innings. You would look at him probably as a five-and-dive guy. Uh, but Hancock went out the strange shoulder. He had gone two innings, two hits, two two Ks. Um, you know, disappointed for him, disappointed for the Mariners. He was leading with the slider in those two innings. I found that interesting. Again, right-handed heavy uh, Astros lineup. That makes some some sense. And there was no indication in his spin or his velocity that he he was hurt. So we wait to hear what is going on with uh, Emerson Hancock. But Mariners bullpen came in. They were up 6-0 at this point in time. Taylor Saucedo came in and gave up four hits immediately and five runs. He pitched zero innings, uh, was very apologetic on Twitter after the game. You got to love him, you know, huge Seattle guy. Uh, but then Trent Thornton threw an inning and third, a scoreless ball. Matt Brass came in, put out a fire, pitched an inning, uh, an inning and a third. He got a win. Isaiah Campbell gave up a run, but pitched an inning. Justin Topa, an inning. Andres Munoz, an inning. They all got holds. Brash got the win. And then Gabe Spire came in in the ninth, um, 
and gave up a hit and struck out two. I I think the Spire against uh, Alvarez matchup was one that the Mariners favored. It is quite clearly uh, the Mariners are trying to figure out what to do with Andres Munoz. If Munoz was a true closer or, you know, similar to how they saw Paul Seawald, you probably would have seen Munoz pitch the ninth regardless of who was coming up, but he pitched the eighth. It was a, you know, obviously a high leverage situation, one run lead, but I think we're going to see the Mariners mix and match a lot more in the ninth. And I think we're going to see Munoz re- return to that seventh and eighth inning high leverage role. It was what I was calling for while Munoz was the closer is what I was calling for last week. And with Spire pitching the ninth with Munoz available, that to me very clearly indicates that uh, the Mariners are going to mix and match a bit more in the ninth inning moving forward. I like that. It's what I wanted to see. Uh, Munoz's velocity was down 0.9 miles an hour on the sinker. It was down 2.1 miles an hour on the four-seamer. He only threw two of them, so you don't know if he was trying to ease off or if that is an indication of of potential injury. Velocity on the slider was down a mile an hour. Uh, I just think we need to keep an eye on Andres Munoz. Keep an eye on his usage. Keep an eye on his uh, velocity. If they could shut him down for a number of days and then bring him back, I think that would be uh, the best case scenario. The Mariners do have Luis Castillo, George Kirby, and Bryce Miller going in the this three-game series against the White Sox. The White Sox have really struggled this season. I would expect both Castillo and Kirby to try to go deep into these games. Um, you might even see some pitch mix shift in order to induce weak contact and, instead of chasing strikeouts in order to get deeper into the game. And then Bryce Miller goes on Wednesday. This bullpen needs some rest. You had Saucedo, Thornton, Brash, Campbell, Topa, Munoz, and Spire pitch in Sunday's game. I think the only the only Mariners reliever to not pitch was uh, Eduard Bizzardo, I believe. So, again, expect the Mariners to try to ride Luis Castillo in game one of this series to try to get uh, that bullpen some rest. That transitions us into the White Sox series. White Sox are fourth in the American League Central, 49 and 75, 15 and a half games behind the Twins, a minus 108 run differential. They're scoring 4.15 runs per game, which is 24th in baseball. Compare that to the Mariners, 4.66 runs per game, 13th in baseball. And their ERA is 4.74 as a team, 25th best. Mariners, 371, which is second best. So the Mariners score a half run more per game than the White Sox. The Mariners give up more than a run, more or less or more than a run less than the White Sox. Better pitching, better hitting. White Sox are 15 and a half games out, completely out of it this season. You would expect the Mariners to win again, at least two of three. You've got Castillo against Toussaint, George Kirby against Mike Clevenger, and then Bryce Miller against Michael Kopech. I would be, I said this about the Royals as well, I would be very disappointed and frustrated if I was a White Sox fan. You look at the White Sox lineup, and 
there is the, I guess you could say there's the perception that they have a number of stars or a number of very good players on their team. Um, but truly, if I look at the stats and I look at this team, I see one star. I see Luis Robert Jr. is a superstar. I don't think he's quite Julio Rodriguez, but he's close. 270, 325, 563 with an 888 OPS, 33 home runs, 16 stolen bases. Um, he's been great. He's their number three hitter. He plays center field. But you look at the rest of the lineup, and it's Elvis Andrus at short, 35 years old, um, probably five years past his prime. Andrew Benatendi, who they signed as a free agent, hit second in left field. He's never been a star. Uh, Benatendi's hitting 272, but he's got an OPS below 700. Two home runs. Uh, Robert hits third in center. Andrew Vaughn hits fourth. First baseman, he was the number three pick a few years back out of Cal. Supposed to be a high average, high power, right-handed hitting first baseman. He has 16 home runs on the season, but he's hitting 253, 317, 430. A 747 OPS as their starting first baseman. You know, you put him in the in the tie France bucket, right? A little more power than France so far this season, a little less average than France, but it's that I think he he continues to start because he was a high draft pick and not because he's he's producing. And we don't know if he actually will. He's now 25 years old, entering his prime. Um, I thought he was going to be a good hitter when he was first coming up. I don't see him as a star. Yuan Moncada hits fifth. We all know about Yuan Moncada and how great he was supposed to be, former number one prospect in baseball. But he's injury prone, and he's slow now, and he came up as a power speed player. He's 28. They owe him a ton of money, and he can't stay on the field. And even when he does, he's more of a defensive first third baseman at this point. Gavin Sheets at sixth. He's their DH against right-handed pitchers. You know, Sheets is a powerful hitting left-handed hitter, but he hasn't done much. 651 OPS. Yasmani Grandal, they signed as a free agent in, in 2019. Switch hitting catcher. He's had some very good years as a catcher, but he's 35, almost 35. And he's also been injury prone. He takes walks, but he has an OPS below 700 as well, 659. Oscar Colas is their right right fielder. He hits eighth, left-handed hitting prospect um, out of Cuba. Colas started the year with the team, was sent down to the minors, has since been back up, but he was supposed to hit for power. He has three home runs in 185 plate appearances, and his OPS is 555. And then Lennon Sosa is their second baseman. He hits ninth, a right-handed hitting prospect. He's 23 years old, but he is a high-contact um, hitter who doesn't take a walk. So who's the threat there outside of outside of Robert? It's really maybe Vaughn, and that's it. Tim Anderson is serving a suspension for a fight that he got into with Jose Ramirez. He's out the first two games of this series. And then you've got Carlos Perez as the backup catcher, Zach Remillard, a journeyman uh minor leaguer who's 29 and just had his first taste of major league baseball this season and trace thompson clay thompson's brother who's been back and forth between the dodgers and the, and the white Sox a ton of times that's their offense right i'm pissed if i'm the white Sox fan they got a pretty decent payroll and you ain't got nothing to show for it 
Eloy Jimenez is uh, injured. He is another, you know, people, I think the perception of Jimenez is that he's better than he actually is. He's got 14 home runs and 321 at-bats, 771 OPS. He is a horrible defensive player. Really, he's a full-time DH at this point, and we haven't seen him stay healthy. They traded away Jake Berger, who was their starting third baseman. He had 25 home runs, but he was hitting 214. They traded him for some prospects to the uh, Miami Marlins. But this team, again, there's big names. Robert Benatendi, Vaughn, Anderson, Jimenez, Grandal, Moncada. But there's there's no substance to those names. So that's their offense, super flawed. Um and then the pitching was supposed to be strong, right? Lance Lynn has provided them with a number of really good years. Uh, Dylan Cease was a top five Cy Young, um, was top five on the Cy Young ballot last year, I believe. I'm almost positive he was third in AL Cy Young. This year he's a 4-5 OERA and a 1-4-1 whip. They traded away Lucas Giolito in contract year to the Angels. They traded away Lynn to the Dodgers. Michael Kopech was supposed to be a big arm and a horse for them. He has a 5-1-2 ERA. The Mariners face him on Tuesday. Mike Clevenger, they signed to a contract, free agent contract. He's been decent, but he's been hurt, 85 and two-thirds innings. And then their bullpen is, you know, you got some decent arms in the bullpen. Gregory Santos, Aaron Bummer. Uh, they traded away Kendall Graveman. They traded away Ronaldo Lopez. Joe Kelly, they traded away. These are all decent arms, but really what I'm getting to is the White Sox, A, they they acquire players that they don't they have players players who don't take a ton of walks offensively, who are higher contact type guys, not the way that you see most of these successful offenses um put together. And they have a lot of injury prone and flawed players offensively. Andrew Benatendi hits, doesn't hit for any power. Andrew Vaughn has to trade power for average. Tim Anderson, high contact previously, 300 hitter previously, all the power's gone away, one homer and 370 at-bats, and he's not hitting for average, he's hitting 238. Eloy Jimenez can hit, but he can't stay on the field. Yasmani Grandal is washed at 35 years old, almost 35 years old, eight home runs and 319 at-bats. Jake Berger hit for power and a little average, but he got traded away. You've got a 35-year-old starting shortstop in Elvis Andrus. Neon Moncada can't stay on the field. So you've got this incredibly flawed offense. And then pitching-wise, like I said, you've got arms. Dylan Cease was phenomenal last year. He's probably going to strike out 200 hitters this year, but he can't find the plate. He's wild. He's gone 138 innings, and he's walked 63 batters. You traded Giolito. Giolito was kind of a high threes, low fours, ERA type starter, but he soaked up innings. Lance Lynn was horrible. They couldn't figure him out. The Dodgers did when they traded for him. Michael Kopech, they can't tweak either. 76 walks and 116 innings. So my question would be, I would quote, I would start with the coaching because it's clear that there's talent on this team but they can't get that talent to produce um, up to its potential. Up and down the board, offensively, pitching, it's all not reaching their full potential. 
But I would also question their talent acquisition, right? You question their GM. You question their scouting department because they spent a lot of money on Yuan Moncada to sign him to a free agent contract or to a uh, an extension. They spent a lot of money to bring in Yasmani Grandal. They spent a lot of money this offseason on Andrew Benatendi. Like, why are you signing these players? And then why are you trading away Lance Lynn and Giolito? Like, Giolito, okay, end of the contract year, you're not playing well. I get it. Lance Lynn, they just couldn't tweak. The Dodgers immediately started getting seven shutout, in, seven shutout innings over and over again from Lance Lynn the minute he became a Dodger. That would suck if you were a White Sox fan. So I question their coaching. I question their philosophy. I don't know what their philosophy as a team is. Um, And I would be frustrated if I was a a fan, as I said. There are some decent players in the minor leagues. Colson Montgomery is their number one prospect. He's a left-handed hitting shortstop. I think he's going to move to third. Eventually, he is... Rated number 17 by MLB Pipeline and number 26 by Baseball Prospectus in their top 100 lists. Um, I like him. I don't know if he's going to hit for a ton of power. People like to compare him to Corey Seager because of his build. I don't know if I agree. Noah Schultz is their number two prospect, left-handed starting pitcher, 6'9". He was uh, really hasn't pitched much until this season. He's been lights out this season in his few starts, but they're going to have to baby him. Um, he's a beanpole. He's 20 years old. ETA is probably 2026. They picked up Edgar Carroll and Kai Bush in the Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez trade. Carroll is their number three prospect. Bush is number nine. I don't love Kai Bush. I think he's a back of the rotation starter if you're lucky. Carroll is an offensive catching prospect. Um, I think he could be good, but I'm not a full believer yet. And then you've got some more pitching. Jake Etter, who they picked up in the Jake Berger trade. Nick Nestrini came over from the Dodgers in the Lance Lynn trade. I do like him as a power right-handed arm. And then Christian Mena they have as well. So some arms, no saviors, a little bit of offense. They picked Jacob Gonzalez in this year's draft. Gonzalez, Caro, and Montgomery are their top three offensive prospects. But this is a probably, I don't know, bottom third minor league system. And it's not because the major league team rated a top system for the prospects and they're no longer eligible to be prospects. They don't, they're not producing squat right now. So again, White Sox on the downturn. Um, tonight it is Luis Castillo against Tuki Toussaint. Castillo is nine and seven with a three, two, three ERA and a one Oh five whip. His last start was on the 16th at Kansas city, seven innings, nine hits, four earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts. That was the start where he couldn't locate, but he just kind of hung in there until he found his location and his feel, which was right around the fourth, fifth inning. Um, I would expect him to pitch better against this White Sox lineup. White Sox lineup probably has one, two, three, four, five lefties and four righties in all likelihood. Um, and then the Mariners are facing Tuki Toussaint, who is 27 years old, 6'3", 215, right-handed starting pitcher. He was the 16th pick of the 2014 draft by the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, He's a Haitian-American, grew up in Florida, in Haiti until he was six, and then in Florida. Uh, His pitch for the Diamondbacks, the Braves, the Angels, the Guardians, and now the White Sox. 
He is one in five with a 447 ERA and a 145 whip. 50 and a third innings, 36 hits, 37 walks, 51 strikeouts. The knock against Tucson, uh, all the way back to when he was a prospect, is he has very little control and no command. Good stuff, can't locate. 17.6% walk rate, 23.1% K rate. For his career, he is an 11 and 12 record with a 514 ERA and a 147 whip. Um, so it's all about basically getting him behind in the count and either taking a walk or finding a pitch to hit. Uh, this season, he's led with the 76-mile-an-hour curveball, believe it or not. Uh, he throws that 32% of the time. He also has a 94-mile-an-hour fastball, a 93-mile-an-hour sinker, an 88-mile-an-hour splitter. Uh, against righties, it's curveball first and then sinker fastball and mixes in a split. Against lefties, it's fastball first. Uh, excuse me, fastball curveball, and then mixes in less uh, split or sinker. He's got good whiff rates on most of these pitches. He does get a lot of swing and miss. He just can't find the zone. Um, I think the Mariners need to be patient and just let Tuki Toussaint beat himself. Last outing was on the 15th against the Cubs. Four innings, two hits, three runs, five walks, four strikeouts. So very uh, that start very much as a microcosm of his season in that he can't find the zone. So again, Castillo against Toussaint. Uh, Tuesday is Kirby against Mike Clevenger. Wednesday is Bryce Miller against Michael Kopech. Mariners won the three-game series against the Astros. The Mariners have won six in a row. They are the third wild card, a half game ahead ahead of the Blue Jays. Uh, they're sitting in really good position. You would expect the Mariners to take at least two of three from the White Sox in this series. It is baseball, so you never know, but I'll certainly be tuned in. Uh, this is fun. This is the stretch drive. Uh, Mariners looking good. Let's hope there's nothing serious going on with Emerson Hancock. Again, I assume Brian Wu comes off of the uh, injured list and takes his spot. If not, we might see Adam Aller. But should be a lot of fun. Mariners play the White Sox. Three-game set, have Thursday off, and play the uh, Kansas City Royals over the weekend. Expect Luis Castillo to go seven innings or more in this start. Expect to see a pitch mix that's going to induce weak contact to preserve that bullpen. Thank you guys for listening to Monday, August 21st, Mariners Cast. We are presented by Sports Ethos. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at TinoJr20. That's T-I-N-O-J-R-2-0. And the podcast at Ethos. Mariners, E-T-H-O-S-M-A-R-I-N-E-R-S. Take care, y'all. Stay out of that smoke and that bad weather. Uh, Enjoy the Mariners game. Peace.